And we're live. Hey, everybody, welcome to Savage Gentlemen. We missed you last week. We just didn't have the heart to go live after what happened in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about that, you know, sometime in the future once all the facts come in. But it was one of those things in reverence based off of those horrific events. We said, you know what? Let's just, uh, we'll chill for a week. So anyways, we are back and we're actually going to have a really cool live feed tonight um, for some of you guys that are out there. Before we go too far, Zach worked really hard on this. So Zach, <laughs> love it, love it. Zach, do that one more time. It's just too cool to pass up. Okay. Hey, so you guys that are tuning in here, we see a bunch of guys that are checking in on Facebook. And it's interesting because the people that are checking in on Facebook are not registering on the counter down there. So I'm, I'm a little bit dubious of what you're putting up there, Zach. But anyways, tonight we're going over, we have a special guest here that is going to interview me based off of military stuff and also some entrepreneurial efforts. But Forrest, please uh, introduce yourself. So my name is Forrest. I come from San Diego. I flew out here today, as you know. Won't hold it against you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm part of the Masters of Science and Global Leadership over at University of San Diego. And one of the required things that we have to do this semester is interview a CEO. And we could have picked anyone, but knowing you guys from a military background as me, I love coffee, as well as the survival stuff and other aspects that you have created a company around, I thought you guys would be an amazing company to talk to or CEOs to talk to. Well, welcome, welcome. And, and you guys that don't know, Forrest here was an 11 Bravo infantryman, and then he decided to become a Benedict Arnold and he's gonna become an officer. And so congratulations on that. Thank you. Not really, but no, it's good, <laughs> it's good. We're, the Army is always in need of good officers that are out there, so you know, my hat's off to you. And, and I've always said that the officers who started out as, as enlisted men, I mean, typically were, were better guys that were out there because they understood the suck of being an E1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 before they went in there and started telling those guys what to do. So real quick, let's do a shout out to these guys. We've got some more regulars. Tommy Flynn that's out there and you guys checking in from, from Nebraska and Ohio and Florida. So you guys, that's fantastic. We're glad you guys are tuning in. Make sure you share this with your family and friends that might find this interesting or entertaining or educational. Tonight, well, for, for us, we're gonna, we're gonna do the flip-flop here. So we're gonna do the 180. And actually we're putting Forrest on the spot here and he is going to interview me and then I'll try to liven it up a little bit to you guys. Now, you guys are also the interviewers and I'll be the interviewee. So if you have any questions about, I don't know, anything, me, business or military or whatnot, um, you can hit me up. So you guys that don't know, I'll set the stage here. I did 28 years in special forces, the last 13 years of it. I was in a counter-terrorist unit and I worked almost exclusively, but not entirely with indigenous forces, host nation forces. So there would be like four, you know, three, four, five Americans, and we'd have two or 300 of the indigenous forces that were there, host nation forces. Some of you guys saw Wally that was on here, Wally Tussalim, who now immigrated to the United States because of the work that he did in Afghanistan for the United States government. They are threatening his life and the life of 
his family, so he got a special immigrant visa, and he works here at um, Black Rifle Coffee now. Ready Man, Savage Gentleman, and Black Rifle Coffee were all cohabitated in the same building that we bought so that we could uh, so that we could try to lasso and corner in this growth that we have that's going on. So, and Anthony Nelson, you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Love the banner, you guys. Lay it on. Bring it on to us. So, um, before I flap my gums too much, or why are SF guys so ugly? Well, well, because. So, anyways, <laughs> Forrest, we're turning we're turning the mic over to you, and um, he's got some specific questions that he's got to answer or that he's got to ask, and I'll try and answer them. And we want to hear some questions from you guys as well. I'm going to rely on uh, Forrest here a little bit because he's got younger eyes than I do because Zach likes to make really small letters up on the screen. And then, of course, Harry's back there. He'll answer some of your questions. He'll come out here and razz us if we're missing him. And then Zach's back there giving us the middle finger. But that's cool <laughs> because that's what he does. So, Forrest, the mic is yours, or the conch, as we say in the you know, Lord of the Flies. Awesome. No, so that was actually the, your introduction touched on the first thing I want to do. You doing 28 years in special operations, I want to know what aspects or leadership skills did you take from that and actually use when it became, when it came to the civilian world, whether it was becoming an entrepreneur or even transitioning? You know, there's, there's probably, there's two things, you know, probably two, two big things that I would say is, you know, first and foremost, you know, personal relationships are key. Got it. So you've got to build that rapport. You've got to have those personal relationships with people. And part B to that is your name and your reputation is everything. You know, just like in special operations, if you're known as a shit bag, then it didn't take very long before people didn't want to work with you. The world of business are, is, is, is exactly the same thing. It doesn't, you know, you think like the world is this big place, but the reality is, you know, if you're out there, you're not working well with others, you're, you know, you're being shysty on some of your business deals, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, if you're, you're not doing good deals, you're not a good businessman or you're not honest, it, it falls apart. So I would say one of the big things that I learned, especially, most especially working with indigenous forces is you've got to build that rapport. You've got to say what you mean and mean what you say. You've got to be fair, firm, and final with what it is that you're doing. And then also a big aspect of business that we have is it's got to be a win-win. You know, the indige in the case of the military, the indige or the host nation forces, they've got to have a win because they're defending their country and all that stuff. So we're following the morals and ethics that would apply to them as well as we've got to win because we're furthering the interests of the United States. Business is no different. Whereas if we go into a business deal, then both sides have got to win. And I tell this to folks all the time where I say, guess what? Hey guys, I will help you. And I, and I help, and we try to help as many people as we can constantly. If, but we're always looking for long-term sustainable relationships in business because that's really, that's how you make your business take off. And a long-term sustainable relationship means that both sides have got to win. If the other, one side's winning and I'm not winning, then it's not sustainable Got it. and vice versa. And so that's, the, that's kind of the ethos that we always follow 
because that ensures that both sides are entering into a deal, we're shaking hands, and both sides are leaving, you know, coming out of winners. And then second that I would say with that, with, you know, having worked with host nation um, guys, indigenous personnel, um, you know, the, the biggie is that I would say that the number one killer of productivity in either business or military operations is drama, bar none. So anytime you start getting embroiled in drama and, and you laugh because you know exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Is, yes. And you guys that are out there, you know, you understand like as soon as there's drama that comes into play where you're trying to maneuver around people's feelings and you're trying to maneuver around, you know, what other bullshit that's going on in business. And then all of a sudden you're spending so much time dealing with drama and getting around drama that it kills productivity. It kills, it kills, uh, you know, inventive thinking. And then, and then really it kills productivity because later on down the road, you're continuing to feel these after effects yes. of drama that's on there. So like my hard, fast rule that I've always said to my guys is don't bring anybody to me. That's going to cause drama because I will fire them on the spot and I will not entertain any amount of drama. Like we have, we have tremendous harmony down here in ready, man. Everybody gets along. Everybody swings an ax at the tree every single day with, you know, because they enjoy it, because they enjoy the climate, because it, what we're doing, they believe in. And then the big aspect of that is, and because there's no drama, everybody gets along, we banter back and forth and razz each other, but there's no drama. Nobody's talking behind each other's backs and feeling, you know, weird about stuff like that. And that's sometimes not possible in bigger companies, but certainly in smaller, you know, I'll speak for the entrepreneurial side, for smaller entrepreneurial sides, that is, that's the biggie. So build rapport, personality's a biggie. So build the rapport, the two of those are tied together, like, you know, you're braiding a rope. And the second one is drama kills business. Now on the idea of drama, coming from special forces, actually, let me rephrase that. Coming from the infantry, we hold special forces people to a higher standard. We see that you guys are more professional, you're better at your job. Did you see a lot of drama within the special forces or special operations? You know, a lot of times when we talk about drama and special operations, you know, the reality is we would see drama in the, in the younger indigenous forces Got it. that were going on. And so you're, you're dealing with that, but with our leadership, because we worked off of meritocracy. So those guys were getting promoted based off of our input because they were doing a good job. Then what that would do is that would limit it. And then we would push off the drama to those guys because, and then even in special forces itself, you know, it's unique in the rest of the army is if somebody's not doing their job or they're doing a lousy job or they're just a drama queen that's out there, you know, in SF, it was, you know, I won't say it was common, but once in a while, like a guy would show up and he would walk out and, you know, walk up to the team room and all of his kit is sitting on the floor outside in the hallway, which was always the sign that was like, you have been fired. Go cool. find another job. And so that's kind of, you can't, you know, it's hard to do that in the rest of the military, but in special operations, it very much is out there. So, hey, Harry, you're going to have to help us with these questions because I'm running down rabbit holes and stuff. But um, anyways, you guys, we want to hear your questions and your thoughts. And Harry's going to have to help us out here because 
I'm going to run down because you guys are throwing out a bunch of 11 hotels and 98 victors and stuff like that out there. Oh, Harry's answering. Harry is on it, as always. See, no drama. I, I throw it out there, and they're like, yeah, I'm already doing that. So stop telling me how to do my job. Sorry, Harry. So one of the questions actually I saw on there was opening up Black Rifle Coffee Companies and putting Starbucks out of business, which I think would be an amazing thing for you to do. Have you guys ever thought about expanding or taking Black Rifle and actually setting up coffee shops within other cities? Yeah, absolutely. And so on the business side, you've got to look at, there's different business models. And so, you know, when you're, when, whenever you get a business that becomes moderately successful, you know, when you start, you, you start, you start that incline, you start getting a little bit more successful, a little bit more moderately successful before you're very successful. Yes. But all of a sudden you'll find out is, man, opportunity walks through that door probably once or twice a week where somebody, and so it becomes like Gary Vaynerchuk is a, is a great, um, is a, is a great guy to watch for business because one of the main things that he says in between like all of his ranting and cursing is, is uh, figure out, do a self audit, figure out what you're good at and then do that and pretty much fuck the rest yes. because now I'm going to, I'm going to focus on what I'm good at. So now when you look at Black Rifle Coffee, Black Rifle Coffee is an e-commerce company. And so there are dealers and whatnot there. And we'll talk about like Rats Tourniquet has a different business model than Black Rifle Coffee yes. has a business model versus Ready Man is actually is a different business model. And so with Black Rifle Coffee, because it's predominantly, I mean, not, not exclusively, but heavily, heavily on the e-commerce side, before you start, before you start um, separating time to look at, because retail is a completely different business model. Yes. That brings on its own logistical problems and its own, you know, managerial problems and its own, all of that other stuff. So before you start expanding into that, you master one and then start easing into the other. So to answer your guys' question, yes, there are plans for retail shops for Black Rifle Coffee, but... Remember, at the end of the day, in business, make money, keep the lights on, feed our families, feed ourselves. And so we're easing the easing into that so that we make sure we don't have issues. Awesome. Yes. And that, you know, what we're doing, we're actually reading that same exact idea is to make sure that you find what you're good at and you do it instead of being a mediocre business in general you're good at one thing yeah. and so i thought that was amazing how you're able to even touch base as well what we're learning right now and it and it actually almost starts self-defining when you when you launch your product and you figure out how to get your product into the market whatever that product is it may be you teaching something it may be you know a new coffee cup or a tourniquet or whatever that product is and then it kind of starts self-defining itself so, you know, Rats Tourniquet, the business model with Rats Tourniquet is very different than the business model of Black Rifle Coffee because they're very different products yes. and they've taken on kind of their own personalities. So let's see, let's check out some of the questions that's here. That's why we need Black Rifle Coffee shops. Yes, you do. They hide us. Yes, they do. We want to open up BRCC shops all over. Yes, we do. Black oh, that's, rifle that's coffee, hairy. bikini coffee stands. I'm okay with that. <laughs> we need them. Yeah. Kalash life. I don't know what Kalash life is. Let us know. 
I'd work there even a bikini alley. All right, Ali. And you guys, you know, coffee or die, right? So Harry's got a question. This is going to be a doozy. I can tell by his face. So Matt actually wants to know, was there a time you ever wanted to quit? Matt. Uh, Matt wants to know, was there ever a time we wanted to quit? Matt Ashburn. Hey, Matt, that is a great question. So let, let me answer it like this. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's always, you know, business and especially entrepreneurialism, you know, veteranpreneur, I'm not sure who coined that term. Is there a time you want to quit? Yeah, absolutely. But anything that you do of value, there's always a time that you want to quit. So for example, you know, when, when we were speaking a little bit before the live cast and kind of viewing it in. So here's, you know, here's a rat's tourniquet. You know, my, my routine used to be, I'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning, I'd go into my shop, I would make tourniquets. And then I would go, I'd go in, I'd get on the computer, I would answer emails. Then I would go home, I would take my boys to school and say, hey, have a good day to school. Then I'd go back home, I would check emails for the next little bit and answer questions from people, build relationships. And then I'd go to work and I'd work ready man, nine to five or nine to whenever we finished. Then I'd come home, I'd eat dinner. I would kiss my boys. I'd lay down with them in bed so that they could go to sleep. Then I'd wake up at about, you know, nine o'clock at night, you know, cause they'd go to bed about eight, eight thirty. I'd get up about nine, nine thirty. I'd go up, I'd go to the shop and I'd make more tourniquets until about midnight. And then I'd come home and guess what? And then I would hit repeat. And I did that for weeks and months and months and months and months. Was there ever a time I wanted to quit? Goddamn right, there was a time I wanted to quit. And there was plenty of times my wife was getting ready to throttle me because she was like, you gotta, you gotta slow down. And so it's like my, you know, Evan Hafer, who's the CEO over at uh, Black Rifle Coffee, you know, he once told me, he was like, if Rats is successful, it's because you're as, you know, essentially it's like, because you're as stubborn as a donkey. And so he's like, it's going to be like pure grit and like self-determination that's going to make that thing. So to answer your question, Matt, yeah, plenty. But you just keep chugging on because what else are you going to do? So uh, one more question, then we'll get back on to yours. Um, so any recommendations on a start a disabled minority veteran company? I know it's a process. Is there much help that the VA that you're aware of? Andrew, I, I'm, I'm still going through, I've been out, I retired like three years ago. I'm still going through the process to get my disability with the VA. I, I can't help you, I'm sorry. There's plenty of other folks that are out there, but I haven't, I haven't done anything with my disability with the VA just simply because um, that kind of paperwork is not my friend, <laughs> so I'm like, I shun it every time I, every time I look at my stack of medical records and military records, I, I, uh, I, I find it amazing that I have a harmonica lesson that I need to go attend to and I find something else to do. So, you know, the biggest thing that you can do is, uh, is, you know, what we tell folks is jump in and do it. There's, there's no, there will never be a better time. There'll be, never be in a better place. There'll never be a better product. Just jump in and do it. And watching a show like this and asking questions, man, you're well on the way. But the world is full of people who will not try. So get in there and try and do it. You'll fail. Like our couple of venture, business ventures we did, we failed. You know, it was, they weren't dismal failures, but it was like, ooh, 
That was an expensive lesson. Yes. We won't do that again. And you go from there. So, Forrest. So on the same idea, Matt, I, he asked you about quitting. Well, mine is the opposite. I wanted to know about starting up. I was looking up some statistics, and before you guys actually started, um, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts owned 70% of the market. And I was wondering, one, how you were, why you continue to start up, even knowing that 70% of the market is taken up by Starbucks. And two, how are you going to market your coffee differently than Bing Coffee? And, and that's, that's a great question. So when, when Black Rifle was first starting up, you know, there's, there's a guy that he's come, become like a business advisor, mentor, I guess, to me a little bit for marketing. His name is Ken Krogh, and he started InsideSales.com. You can look it up. So what, what, one of his philosophies is don't dig a well, divert a river. So find a river and don't, don't dig a new well for a new product. Find a river and then just divert a little bit of that river off. So now, all of a sudden, if you look at the demographic of coffee in the United States, over half of all Americans drink coffee every single day, and over 75% of the population drinks coffee. And so now, all of a sudden, you have this huge raging river that's going in, and then it's just a matter of, like, how do I divert that river? So based off of, like, your example, Starbucks, Starbucks, very liberal organization. Yes. I don't know if they are or they aren't, but they come across that way. So, but if you looked for conservative coffee companies that were out there, it didn't exist. It didn't exist whatsoever. And so now all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, there's this demographic that's out there that is not being represented by coffee. And, and coffee, we used to like to say is coffee's kind of like a, a microbrew. You know what I mean? If you're used to drinking Coors and PBR and, and uh, Budweiser, they're great beers, if, but... But once you have a microbrew, you're, you're not drinking a Coors and a Budweiser at dinner. You're drinking that at a ball game or because you're out cutting the grass. But you're not drinking a microbrew with your dinner because the flavor is so unbelievably yes. different. So with our demographic, with Black Rifle Coffee, all of a sudden it was the people that were drinking the coffee were used to Folgers, Maxwell House, or Starbucks. And then all of a sudden Black Rifle gave them something that they could identify with and that's what's pulling in the conservative pro 2A you know, crowd, veterans and whatnot that are saying, hey, I'm not going to give my money to Starbucks because we know they support liberal agendas. We're going to now, we're going to give our money or we're going to spend our money. We're voting with our dollars towards something that is supporting police and fire and military and pro 2A. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing when I started buying Black Rifle because I was a Starbucks drinker before you guys came out. So was I. But watching you guys come out and support the veterans like you have and support firefighters, first responders was, to me, I would pay to at all to help at that. And you, with uh, Matt, I watched an interview the other day saying they were going to help 10,000 veterans to actually fight Starbucks going, hey, we're going to hire 10,000 refugees. And... I know you guys were a small business and I was wondering with those huge goals you guys have set, quoting Matt saying 10,000 veterans and 600 stores. Mm -hmm. One, do you think that's possible? And two, do you have any other goals that you want to reach? Yeah, absolutely. Is that possible? Absolutely. Because we've teamed up with 511, 511, God. you know, the clothing and stuff is, is now putting BRCC 
uh, stores or, or coffee in their stores. So yeah, are we spreading? Yeah, but we're doing it in a means this is atypical of business where you know, we're all about the community. We're, we're yes. super heavy on the community and helping each other out. Remember that thing that I talked about where it was, you know, win, win, back and forth. So now all of a sudden, if we have BRCC and we're, and we're teaming up with 511 or some of the other entities that we have going on, it's a win-win. 511 is winning and we're winning over on the BRCC side. So it looks like Harry's got, hey, you tactical. Hey, Dave, thanks for tuning in. So Chad wants to know, how do you stay so optimistic? Who is that, Chad? Chad. Well, because guess what, Chad? You got no other alternative. Every day is a new day. What is that the mill we used to say? Every day is a holiday, every paycheck a fortune. <laughs> so you know what? Every meal a feast. You've got to stay optimistic because if you don't, if you don't keep chugging on, you know, the biggest thing that we see with guys where they start running into problems, so think about it. Like you're in the military and you come home from the war and like you were a ranger, you were an SF guy, or even you were an infantryman or you were an EOD guy, or you used to work in the hospital back in the cash, or even you were the guy that was cooking the eggs for the guys that were going out outside the wire. And then all of a sudden you come back to the real world and, and you all of a sudden feel like you're not as important because you don't have a job that is necessarily as pivotal, as pivotal as it was before. You're not going out and you're not a super commando or you're not the guys that are helping the super commandos making that job possible. But you know what? This is where I like to tell folks is the reason why we're going out and doing those things when we used to do those things is so that we can support the guys at home that are making business possible. Because guess what? If it wasn't for the guys at home, guys and gals at home, chugging with business, paying those tax dollars, your commando trip's gonna be really short. So the reality is, how do you stay optimistic? Because one, you got no other alternative. It's victory or, you know, popper or death, you know, so it's victory. So you might as well win because guess what? You just keep chugging away at it, have the constitution, to keep moving forward, keep swinging the axe at the oak tree is what we like to say. And then number two is, you know what? Nobody else, and this, this is a harsh truth, but nobody cares. Your family cares, your immediate family cares. Maybe they don't, depending on where you're coming from. But success is determined by you. And really, it's just a matter of continuing to swing the axe. Swing the axe and eventually the tree will fall. There's some lessons that you're gonna learn there so that you can adjust. Not all trees that I swung axes at fell and I adjusted fire and I moved over to the next one. That doesn't mean that you quit. That means you reach it to the point where it's like, you know what, this battle is not progressing. We need to fall back to a new position where we have some strength, where we can move forward. So that's a great question, Chad. Next question for us. Hey, so to get started. Where are um, we at on time? Oh, we're about halfway through. Got it. To get started, on both Black Rifle as well as Ready Man and Rats Tourniquet, what research did you actually have to do and what ways of marketing did you come about? And mm. different types of marketing did you do based on the company? So Rats versus Black Rifle and vice versa. So... Um, so, you, so that's actually, that's three different questions. Yes, so we've got different. BRCC, we've got ready man, and then we've got rats. 
And so Ready Man, because of what we're teaching people and what we're espousing, we just kind of fell into it. It was a natural evolution of, you know, it being in the military as an advisor, lead train and advise with our indigenous forces. Now all of a sudden we came to the, you know, we came to the Ready Man and it was like, hey, this is, this stuff we've been doing for years. So we can shift and we can shift and move with rats. If you look at that, rats was primarily a solution to a problem, excuse me, that was taking place. So the story behind rats is right, we were working with indigenous forces in the early days of the war. Tourniquets were somewhat new. We got the new standard issue tourniquet that came in and we had issues with it. it, it you know, we had, you know, it was pinching and it was hard to use with gloves on in the dark under fire. And so I, I left after a trip and I said, man, there, you know what? There's got to be something better out there. And so I, I looked and I couldn't find anything. And then, you know, what my, my wife likes to call an incredibly expensive ego trip. I was like, well, I'm going to find something better. And so I, I began to problem solve. And I've always been a bit of a tinker my entire life. And, um, and so rats was one of the, one of many line of products that I kind of came up with to solve a problem because I needed to solve a problem. I was like, what can I give a, you know, no education? Cause literally we're pulling tribesmen out of the mountains of Afghanistan, no education, couldn't write their own names. And it was like, what can I give somebody with no education with minimal training and make them effective at stopping blood? And so the rats was my better mousetrap for that. And, but, you know, this is one of those things where I had several different, you know, products that I came out with were, you know, some of the first rail mounts for mounting scopes and lasers on 50 caliber machine guns. That was, that was one of my products that I came out with and Molly seat covers on Humvees that you probably see all the time now. That was one of my original products. And so it was one of those things where, you know, continuing forward. And so I gravitated into problem solving that turned into products that people like that we could then turn into a business. Now, if you take Black Rifle as well, Black Rifle predominantly, I mean, overwhelmingly, 99% of that was Evan. He was a coffee head. He loved coffee. He was roasting his own coffee already. He had been doing it for years. And so for him, when... Um, you know, we were sitting in a conics box in Afghanistan one time and uh, we we're talking about, you know, in the future someday when we stop, you know, carrying guns for a living, what are we going to do? And I was like, man, we, you know, he said or I said or we both said, you know, we should look at coffee. And we started running the numbers on coffee. He was already roasting his own simply because he loved it. And um, I was relatively new to drinking coffee at that point. And um we started looking at some of the profit margins. We later found our logic was somewhat flawed, but you know, that's business. And, and then, so then later on when we were cranking up with ready man, Evan spun up black rifle coffee. And, um, that was, that was one of those things, but it was a labor of love. Absolutely. It Got was it. a labor of love where that's where I could look at it, look at Evan and I can go, it's because, you know, you're stubborn as a, as a mule. And that's why this is, the success. However, with him, he very quickly realized that social media marketing was the future of marketing. We had lost tens of thousands of dollars in, in other marketing ventures, which is a very expensive education. And then he set out same thing where it's like, well, if I can't find something better, 
I'm going to get some, I'm going to make something better. And so that's what he did with social media marketing. And right now, so Ev, that, you know, Evan is one of the top social media marketers anywhere. And I would argue I'd put that guy up against anybody on planet Earth at this point as far as understanding the data and turning the dials and pulling the levers for social media marketing. And so he, he deep dove it, got in there, tear it apart, and, um, and then looked at, and he's one of the very few people also that can look at marketing and he looks at it very uh, strategically and, and you know, almost like it's a sphere. So, you know, if you think about like a, you know, you've got an atom and on the inside you've got the, you know, the atom and you've got the protons running around it. So it's a very spherical approach to your product is the atom and then the protons that are flying around on the outside are your, uh, is your marketing endeavor. So hope that answered your question. Looks like we got one. Go ahead, Harry. So Pete Sales wants to know, is it true you tried to come out with your own energy drink and you forced JT and Matt Best to drink it? Pete Sales, <laughs> I didn't try to come out with my own energy drink. We are coming out with our own energy drink. And yes, JT and Matt both tried it. And so did Conan. The, the uh, Conan was his real name, actually. And he looks like Conan the Barbarian who's the, uh, the legal counsel that's up there, and we've tried it. So, yes, Pete, thanks for blowing that off the lid and letting out a secret. No, you're just joking. So, yes, we are coming out with our own energy formula. It's going to be really cool. It's a new product. It's nanoized particles that adhere. So if this is your water molecule, it's nanoized particles of vitamins and minerals that adhere to the water molecule that then is more readily absorbed into your body. We're in the testing phase right now. And yes, you can look for products like that that are coming up pretty shortly because they're bomber. And even one of them is nanoized silver that we're getting ready to come out with. And even Harry, who has even more nastier feet than I do, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, was able to get rid of his Okinawan foot fungus with the nanoized silver. So yes, Pete, you are correct. Next question. So with your energy drinks, as well as a lot of the things you guys produce, do you produce them in-house? And what's the benefits of producing in-house versus not? So that, that's a great question. So we produce some stuff in-house. We subcontract some stuff. So we're dealing directly with the manufacturers of our products. And so what that means is now all of a sudden we're, we're in a new age of business. So typically with business, if you're a manufacturer, you sold to a distributor and the distributors sold to a dealer who then was purchasing it wholesale and he would sell it straight retail. Well, that's one of the success stories of BRCC because if you look at Black Rifle Coffee and most specifically, if you look at rats and rats is even, even, even more so in the beginning stages, although BRCC roasts its own coffee as well. Now all of a sudden you've got a product that's in-house being manufactured and so now the manufacturing arm is the company that is selling to distributors is selling to dealers and it's selling at full retail so you're capturing a larger section of the market and typically like 10 years ago people would have told you crazy that's impossible in business to do that we're doing it every single day we're doing it in ready man we're doing it in rats we're doing it in black rifle coffee and pretty soon we're going to be doing it in all of our businesses across the board Got it. And one last thing on that. I know that Black Rifle gets their beans from South America, correct? Yep. So my question is, what, 
where do you guys or where did you learn the skills for cross-cultural communication or language barriers that you meet within dealing with whether you get stuff from China, South America, or wherever. Military. You guys so, get like broader. in special forces, I mean, we we're constantly dealing. I was in first special forces group for a long time, and and um, we we're predominantly working in Asia. Um, I used to speak Korean very well at a point in my life. I probably can't say hello anymore, <laughs> but um, you know. And then also, but you learn how to deal with different cultures and morals and ethics and all of these guys across the board. And and so like. Literally between Evan and I, we've dealt with almost, I won't say every country in the world, but a huge handful of countries in the world. And so all of a sudden, that, that's been a tremendous asset for us with, with, dealing, with dealing with people. And I mean, some of our products that we're getting ready to come out with, you know, the, the base materials are manufactured in Pakistan. And some of the other products that we have are Central America. And some of the other products are in South America, in Africa. And so really, and again, that's where it's like we've got this, it's like this is probably, I would argue, one of the most exciting times ever in the history to be involved in business because like literally you can talk to guys on the phone, like literally I was Facebook living a guy in the mountains of Pakistan two days ago doing a business deal so that we could get raw materials out of Pakistan to bring here so that we could make it into something else and put it out on the market. And that, and that make, that's everything from gemstones to steel to, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's amazing, amazing time. And really the biggie that's making that possible is Facebook. Facebook is unbelievably powerful for business. And if you guys that are out there, you, you look at business, you look at business or you look at Facebook as, as a business like, steroid injection it, it's it can be really really powerful which is why this is predominantly we start on facebook because it's just so unbelievably powerful but you got to dig in there you there's no nobody's going to teach it to you you got to you got to get in there you got to dig and you got to learn it now to add to that um you said this is actually a great time for people to get into business and how global it was and that is one reason why I went with global leadership instead of the MBA. Everyone can get an MBA. That was the big degree everyone had. So I went to global leadership because it gave you that aspect of cross-cultural communication, uh, business negotiation across the entire globe. And I was wondering, did you think you guys were going to get into this size of business or reach a global uh, platform when you started this or when you were talking Absolutely. to that Connex? Did Absolutely. You? Because... because the ego of an SF guy <laughs> yeah. is only surpassed by the ego of seals. God, oh, shit. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what, like for me, when I go to Vegas, like my wife is like, you can't gamble because when I gamble, like I'm a horrible gambler. And so when I gamble, I lose. But when I lose, I, I get furious because I'm a personality. It's like when I do something, I expect I'm going to win. It's like, if I'm doing this, I'm going to win. So I'll go up to the slot machine and I'll put in my dollar or whatever that is because there's a Ferrari sitting up on the thing. And I'm like, this dollar is going to win that Ferrari. And then when I don't win the Ferrari, like I get mad. I'm like, 
what? what? What do you mean I didn't win? And my wife finally was like, you can't gamble anymore. Just stop. You One, you suck at it. And two, like you take this way too personally. You can't gamble anymore. So, yes, absolutely. When we started out, did we think this was going to be behemoth? You're damn right we did. because and, that's, and that is what we're striving for, where it's like, you know, we, we look at this where it's like, you know what? We're going to win this war. We're going to win the war of business. We're going to win this battle. You know, it's, it's, it's little skirmishes that lead to big battles that lead to ultimately winning the war. So to answer your question, yeah, you're damn right we did. <laughs> that's awesome. I, that's, I like the ego. That's, I thought infantrymen had big egos, but I... <laughs> you ain't got nothing. Yeah, nothing compared to, to you guys. Seals, Those guys. <laughs> so... How did you guys come when it came to actually researching your market? How did you guys come to get suppliers or where did you even know to start? Cause the I feel internet. like the, the internet. internet. Yeah. The internet, we'd reach a problem and then we'd go to this thing called Google and it was like, Oh crap. I, I hadn't thought of that. And so we'd go to Google and we'd type it in. It's like, I need a supplier for, I need a supplier for coffee mugs. Well, where do we get that? Google. And, but don't get me wrong. You're, you're talking. It is, hours and hours yes. and hours of research and not all, and it doesn't end because you put in the hours of research and then you're constantly looking for a better product that you can provide to your to your customers that are out there so you want to constantly improve and you want to limit the waste if you can take your waste to zero because remember waste is essentially lost income yes. right so even the box and you've got to take it down to the minute detail so if this paper is packing material that is purchased when I buy that from somebody else, so I buy it from a manufacturer that's making my product and I have this piece of paper that is in that cup, that piece of paper attributes to the price of that cup shipped to me. So if I can figure out a way to limit the waste, then I make more money, I create a broader profit margin for me on my, on my product. So constant improvement, we're constantly refining the process, we're constantly making sure that we're efficient, we're constantly opening up lines of communication, we're constantly looking for better, faster, younger entrepreneurs that are hungry, that may have a great product that are out there, and then we're constantly limiting that waste as much as possible. So I get a good buddy of mine that's out there, he has a gun range, well guess what he does? His customers come into the gun range, they purchase bullets from him, they go out in the gun range, they shoot the bullets, he has a bullet trap, so he captures all the bullets, the brass falls down into a gutter, so he captures the brass. He makes hundreds of thousands of dollars every year off of lead and brass reclamation. Wow. So that's a great business model that's out there. So. Really, we've got we've to look at different ways of doing business so that all of a sudden it's like, where can I limit the waste and increase my efficiency and increase my productivity? You know, always, and really, if you think about it, what's the, what's the first priority of work when you're an infantryman? Limit waste. No, what's the first priority? So if I'm an infantryman and, I, and I'm doing patrol-based activities, What's the priorities of work? Security. Security. And what does security mean? Making sure nothing's... Yep. So security means I'm continuing to improve my position. Yes. Because I'm improving my security. Well, business is no different. 
If I look at this, if I look at business, kind of like patrol-based activities, common sense is number four on the, on, the, uh, on the work, priorities of work that's on there. Can't discount, but the first one is security. If I continue to improve my position, I continue to improve my security and my position or my business as it will is, then that means I'm limiting waste and I'm continuing to improve. Now, when I asked you about research, you gave me the best answer was the internet. And you look nowadays that technology is a huge aspect of our lives, whether it's business, military, or even everyday life. And do you think you guys have tackled that differently compared to older businesses when it comes to actually using technology or Facebook? Yeah, with, without a doubt, because it used to be in the day, like if you were a big business, you had the contacts, you had the Rolodex that you could go through. So if you had a problem or you needed something, you could reach out to some of these spindricles that are out there. But now, like I'm talking to guys via Facebook that are in China, Singapore, Thailand, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Africa, where they've got products that they're like, hey, are you interested in this product? And it's literally at the source where they're pulling the crap out of the ground in some instances, where now all of a sudden I have reach where I can, I can, I can actually access these guys and, and do business. It's unprecedented. This is, this is actually one of the most exciting times, I would argue, one of the most exciting times to be in business because it, it's so unbelievably open. And that's where I tell guys too is, man, you know what? Business is the Wild West. Like, there's no rules. There's fundamentals that you have to adhere to. And that's mostly because of the IRS, <laughs> right? Because you've yeah. got to, you know, you have to have an LLC or C Corp or an S Corp or whatever jargon that they want to throw at you. But that's because you got to pay taxes at some point, you know, you got to pay taxes to the man, right? But really with business, I mean, it, it's really, it's open. And if you guys, if you guys want to email us, email us at uh, info at readyman.com. We've got a great PDF that was written by one of our founders at ReadyMan, Jason Ross, where it's called Launch It. And it's all about entrepreneurship. We'll send that out to you. Just email us and we'll send it out to you gratis. We don't care. We'll send it out to you guys so you can check it out. And we're all about helping as many folks as we can. We get people that email us with questions and ideas and stuff all the time. Be more than happy to help you guys out. Karma is a very real thing. So that's why we're here. So one of the last questions I want to ask are, or is what is advice you would share with someone that's starting up a new business or even veterans coming straight from the military transitioning fail faster got it fail faster so that's you know one of the problems that in the mill that we have is we have this adversity to failing if you fail it's okay it's it's you know and i'm not saying some touchy-feely bullshit that's out there like every kid gets a trophy or something like that. What I mean is the faster that we can fail, the faster we can learn, the faster we can turn a dollar, the faster we can figure out how we're going to make a dollar, the faster we can become profitable. And we, and if we do that in all aspects, and really, if you think about the military training is the same way, really like in the mill, the biggest thing that we, we run into is we go into training and we do it so that we can high five each other because we're like, yeah, we're badasses. But the problem, that's not what training's there for. Training is there so that we can identify our strengths and our weaknesses so that we can work on our weaknesses. So if you think about business 
If we can fail faster, we can identify our strengths, we can identify our weaknesses, and then that helps mold us down the channel that we're gonna go down to so that we can have a profitable business, so we can feed our families, so that we can keep the lights on, and so that we can stay busy. So that's where I'd say, folks, is fail faster. The faster you learn how to fail, the faster you're gonna learn. So you may start out a business and you're like, I'm gonna make the best coffee cups in the world. That's great, but you're gonna fail several times until you get that coffee cup in the hands of a company that is going to be able to blast that off. Or e-commerce so that you're selling that coffee cup yourself. But you're gonna stumble and fall, don't worry about it. But remember, when it's your own money, you're gonna have to put that gray matter to work so that all of a sudden you're counting every penny. So the story I like to tell is I had a three hour negotiation with a guy one time so that I could save two cents off of a part that is in this tourniquet, two cents. And I had, I had some guys that were asking me, he's like, that was a waste of time. And I was like, yeah, because that two cents is going to make me $30,000 at the end of the month or the end of the year. $30,000. So by being able to do that, saving two cents where you're going through and it's like, if I can save, if I can save packing paper, just one piece of packing paper that's going in here when I'm saving cents, then if you're looking at that attention to detail, does that sound familiar military guys? Yes. You have that attention to detail, then nothing slips by. So it's limiting that waste, increasing efficiency, that's how you ultimately end up with a better product. And really, that's how you begin to teach yourself marketing as well. Now, last question I have for you. Communication, coming from a line unit, communication was extremely important. Absolutely. You being special forces, special operations, communication was key. I want to know, because in the military, communication can be the difference between life or death. So how does communication play a key into being a CEO or working for a business on the outside. Absolutely, absolutely crucial. Absolutely crucial. So it, this is the story that, that uh, I, I like to tell folks is, you know, ranger school, I went to ranger school. I was never a ranger. I went to ranger school as ranger qualified, but I was never a ranger. And, but ranger school is, it is not a super commando school. Ranger school is fundamentally a leadership school. And the number one thing that gets guys bounced out of ranger school is failure to communicate. So one of the favorite tricks that the RIs, the ranger instructors like to do is they'd walk out on the perimeter when you're in your patrol base and they would, they would put down a map in front of some guy that was sitting out of line. Mind you, everybody is cold. We're you're literally, you're starving to death. Literally, you're sleep deprived like you haven't ever seen before in your life. Like literally, I was so tired after I came home from ranger school, if there was a lull in the conversation for the first week I was home, I would do this. And I would fall asleep. Like my, my wife at the time was like, what did they do to you? And I was like, I don't know, I'm tired and I'm hungry. And then I'd like go eat a whole bunch of stuff. So, so but communication was the number one thing that would bounce people out. They would go out on the line where guys were pulling security and they'd say, hey ranger, What's the mission? And if that ranger didn't know, that ranger oh. student didn't know, the entire chain of command got failed. Well, you fail a patrol in ranger school, you get one more chance. You fail that patrol, boom, you're out. And so now all of a sudden, so like communication, and that's actually something that is 
like something that's actually really unique to US forces, where we push down the plan and communications all the way down to the very bare bones level of soldiers that are down there. But now all of a sudden, when we talk about business, the more you can keep open lines of communication, the more successful you're going to be. The rice bowl, the rice bowl ideas about I'm gonna hold information because it's knowledge will kill your business because guess what it creates? Fun. Drama. Dramas. Drama, because people are like, that guy's got an agenda, he doesn't talk to us, blah, 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 blah. And drama will cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Drama will break the back of your company. And the number one seed that leads to drama is lack of communication. You have got to communicate with your people that are in your city. You know, my brother, this is a great story. So my brother, he had an idea. My brother produces Shelby Cobras, the two-seater race cars. And um, they're the aluminum, they're clones of the Shelby Cobras that are out there. I can't call them Shelby Cobras because they'll get sued. So they produce Cobras that Shelby then buys, stamps with approval and calls Shelby Cobras. I hope you're happy. And so <laughs> anyways, so he used to, he would fly to Poland. He had an idea. He had a piece of paper and an idea. He flew to Poland and um, walked into a factory because he, it was an old MiG factory. They were producing three MiGs a day during the height of the Cold War. Put that into perspective. And then the Russians, the wall came down. The Russians were like, peace out. They left. And there's this Polish factory that was there. He flew over there. He taught himself Polish, he, uh, engineering Polish, no less, and then, and then spoke to these guys. But I was really impressed. I went over with him one time in January in Poland cold like you've never believed but went over to Poland and it was interesting watching my brother because me as a special forces guy I was used to building rapport my brother would go to the factory every single day and shake the hand of every single worker that was in that factory that was building his cars well at least the frame of the car they build the rest of it here in Utah but the frame of the car the frame and the skin he would walk through every day we were there for 10 days He'd walk through every single day and shake the hand of every single worker, ask them how they're doing, how their family was doing. And then, and then after that, business would begin. And so it was this huge thing of now all of a sudden, that is that communication that you're talking about because now the lowly guy that's working that drill press that was there, that was his chance to talk to the guy who was quite literally signing his paycheck where he could say, hey, sir, I don't, I don't like this or whatnot, but overwhelmingly it was that level of communication that was established that ultimately led to them being, while well, they, lead, they lead the world in uh, Cobra production, so much so that Shelby Motorsports buys their cars from them. Got it. Awesome, that's all I have for you. I don't know if there's any more questions on Facebook or YouTube. No more questions. Hey, you guys, and, and we're actually, well, look at that. Boom, as if I had a stopwatch on me. You guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have any more questions, continue to send them in here. Mary Desk and watch myself when I was talking on the phone. <laughs> that's great, JRMTG. What is MTG? But that's great. Um, yeah, watch yourself because you do funny things. So you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you continue to have questions, blast them into us. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll answer those and get to them as well. Remember, we've got the other live podcast that we do that is Ready Man on Thursdays. 
This Thursday, we listen to you guys' requests that are out there. We're talking about pediatric and uh, infant first aid. Today, we've got a uh, subject matter expert that's coming in. He's going to help us out with that. So you guys keep sending in those questions and your thoughts. And you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Share this with any of your friends and family that are out there. Share this with some veterans that you know or some cops or firefighters or anybody you know that's starting out on their entrepreneurial efforts. We hope this was a little bit of information that was valuable. But before we go, Forrest, last words. Nothing. I appreciate you coming here. And I'll let you guys know from my point of view from outside of Black Rifle Coffee Company and Ready Men and Rat Center Kit. This is an amazing company. Just being around for like the last couple hours. What they've built is amazing. And I hope you guys still continue to look at this company as how great they are. Well, way better than Starbucks. I'm going to throw that like <laughs> way better. Awesome. Thanks. We hope you get an A until next week. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for tuning in.